Welcome back to another episode of the Josh Forty Effect. My name is Josh Forty, and this is a podcast dedicated to helping you find freedom, fulfillment, and live a purpose-driven life. And today, I am here with none other than, well, I just know him as the guy that went zero to eight figures in two years, because that's what every single ad seems to say. So Tanner, Chister, what is up, my man? How are you? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Super fun. Where are you out of? Uh, right now, I'm in Miami. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of traveling this year, uh, but I've been in Miami last few days. But yeah, it's good. I, this is where I'm the most probably. Really? I, I, for some reason, I thought you moved to Puerto Rico. I, well, yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. So um, Miami and Puerto Rico, about two hour flight. And so uh, Miami is where I'm from before. So that's kind of why it's been pretty easy to do. I think if I lived in Arizona or you know, California, I wouldn't do it. But Two, two hours is doable, but I, we'll see, man. I mean, it's it's gotten more complicated and like taxed up and this and that, but that's what I'm doing right now. D- is there like, uh, like how many days do you have to live in Puerto Rico to get the tax benefit? Yeah, so that is a, this is such an interesting topic. So what I've pretty much, this, I mean, this is my take at least. It just seems like the government or the IRS, they try to leave stuff as ambiguous as possible so that they can just pretty much do whatever they want. And so- um with puerto rico they say it's 183 days but they also make it known they don't want you in the u.s too much and so some people will say it's six months and you could be in the u.s or some will say it's less but really the safe the safest is like under 90 days so i'm not going to be here that uh small amount but what you kind of have to do and the best way to think of it is like you have to try to make it look like you're a tourist so if I come to Miami, I'm here for a week and then I leave and then I come back in a month for a week or something. It looks, it looks better than if you're just doing these long stretches of time. And then, you know, like I sold my cars and stuff like that. So it's, it's probably the least risky tax deduction you can take, but you know, there's still some of that commitment. And, um, the, the biggest thing right now is my girlfriend. Like if I didn't have a girlfriend, I literally would not care, but she lives in Miami. And so she's, you know, she's like trying to come up with anything she can to get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. How long have you been in Puerto Rico? I've been there. So I got there in June. And okay. uh, the the write-offs, the other thing people don't know is they have the year of the move. And so what that means is basically, long story short, after all the legal jumbo, is you get about half of your income taxed at the U.S. rate and half of it taxed at the PRA. So this year, as long as I stay and I keep going through with it, um, I did an extension on my taxes for that reason. Then I can get the, you know, the 4%, but there's still some stipulations. Like it depends on the type of business. It depends how you set up your legal contracts. Um, service-based like consulting type businesses do well there because you can set it up to where the agreement is, you know, sourcing consulting services from the Puerto Rican entity. And, you know, there's all kinds of, I could do a whole podcast just on this, but, um, Long story short, man, it's it's, it's a little frustrating because, you know, as long as you live in the U.S., you know, there's not much you can really do uh, past a certain point. And then it depends who you talk to and how much risk you want to take on an audit. And it's it's all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I was. uh, Do you know Joel Kaplan? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He was telling me he sat down. He paid uh, Alex Ramosi for like a consulting day or something like that. And uh, Alex Ramosi's advice was pay your effing taxes. And yeah, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just interesting when you sit down and talk to different people, like 
Some people are just like totally cool to pay it. Some people totally want to avoid it. So it just, it's just interesting to see people's different opinions on what to do and what not to do. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny with Alex because I, me and Alex talk a lot now. And so he, he, he tells me the same thing and he, he was considering Puerto Rico. He didn't go through with it, but, um, I mean, the, the real way to get out of it is you just have to get enough income at a, at a high enough amount, that whatever amount that is for you. And so you can start pulling loans against it and get it taxed at capital gains. Cause that's, yeah. that's really, that's really how people get away with it is if they're, if you're only being taxed at 20%, that's fine. The 37% is the stuff that makes me just like, I, I don't like it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And like in California, it's even oh, worse than that, dude. It's like 50. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot. So, you know, my plan as of now, and this could change in the next few months, um, because I'm, I've been talking to, I'm still, I'm still kind of that place where I don't have to go through with it type deal, right? Once you, once you're there though, you have to do at least three years. Mm. So because I haven't filed my taxes yet, I could still technically not do it, but it's tough because pretty much everyone I speak to, they'll have different opinions on what you can or can't do. But, you know, most of the stuff, it's in an area where even if it's legal, like even if it's in the tax code, there's still cases where the IRS will be like, oh, well, it's legal, but they abused it. Like they put in too much or and it's like. It's frustrating for me. Yeah. So I, I need to just decide and then move on with my life and never thinking about it again. Um, yeah, for sure. That's kind of where I'm at. Do you do you own like a bunch of assets, though? Yeah, I do. I do have a good amount, but the other part, like especially a lot of real estate, but the, the other part of that, and that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out before April-ish is, you know, how you can write all those off because, you know, from what I understand, again, I don't know everything with taxes, but even if you have a bunch of real estate, unless you're a, a realtor or you log X amount of hours a year, you can't write that off against your active income. It's passive income. So it gets, it's different. Mm -hmm. And so, there, there's a million different conversations that I've had with different people. It gets, it's kind of like, sometimes it feels like religion or, or <laughs> where like everyone's got a different opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I will say, I agree with you on the point. Like one thing that Alex said to me that was super helpful is he just said, I mean, dude, you're wasting so much time on like trying to save money. It's like when your better focus would be to just try to make more. And I yeah. agree with you at this point because I've spent so much time this last year worried about it and alex i think at the end of the day his his advice and what he's done he's like he just pays it and he moves on yeah and, uh, it makes me cry inside when he tells me the amount but that's what he's decided to do and and sometimes i think he's better for it because he doesn't waste all this time and energy like i have been so well and i think also for me like <clears throat> like in the you know in the non-fearful way possible i'm afraid of the irs right like i'm not actually afraid of the irs but like i'm afraid of the irs right and so yeah. i'm like i always tell my accountant i want to pay the least amount of taxes but if there's a gray area pay more right like like do it on that because i'm like i want to be able to sleep at night not you know being freaked out that i'm gonna wake up and have some massive tax bill or the yeah. irs right and that's that's been kind of my dilemma because i've had someone you know who legally has told me they can get me down to 15 percent, but when i present it to others they're like well it is legal but the IRS goes after people sometimes and we don't know if they'll go after you. So you kind of sit there and debate, like, is that extra 20 something percent you may save or 15 or whatever it is, is it worth it? Yeah. And, and so far, all I've found that is a hundred percent, like no argument is Puerto Rico or you give up your citizenship. Everything else depends who you ask. Mm. And so 
I, I'm kind of on the same page with you where I'm trying to figure that out. And if I, if I end up staying and I don't go through with it, I'm just never going to worry about it again because it's a huge waste of time. It's a big Is Puerto Rico time. dope though? Like I've it, never been there. Like, I think it, I think it depends. I think it depends on the person. So I love Miami. Some people don't. I, I, I love Miami, dude. Okay. So I personally think Miami is like the best place to live. I just think whether you're single or, I mean, unless maybe you have kids, but there's tons of stuff to do. There's good food. There's good looking people. Like the vibes good. There's a lot of business people. I, I didn't enjoy my time when I lived in LA because I just felt like it was Hollywood. I think the Hollywood is <laughs> very different vibe, but Miami is very like business minded. So you still have, you still have like your, your bad apples, but I love it. And so when I compare Puerto Rico to Miami, it loses. But when I compare it to, you know, like when I lived personally in Utah or I lived in like Houston, it's not like it's bad, but I'm just like, I don't, I wouldn't pay more tax to live here. Miami it's like, it's very like up in the air. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it, depending on where you live, like the two best places usually, or in my opinion, is you got San Juan. San Juan's kind of like cheaper. It's where the capital is. A lot of entrepreneurs go out to Dorado, but my hesitance with going out to Dorado is it, it seems like it's more of a permanent spot. And my, my thinking with Puerto Rico is <clears throat> I have a certain net worth in mind that I'd like to get to. Uh, a certain net worth in the eight figure range that I'd like to get to. And so I, I'm kind of thinking of it as like a short term thing. And, and San Juan is closer to the airport. It's a little cheaper. Dorado's about 45, 50 minutes. Isn't Dorado uh, super, super ritzy? Oh, yeah. That's, so that's, that's like where Logan little, Paul lives and all those people, Paul, right? Yeah. Freddie Bouchard, I think, is out. Yeah. Um, you got some other people. And if, if I was going to stay there long term, that's 100% where I would go. 100%. Yeah. But. I think the hard part is like, because I have the girlfriend, if I didn't have the girlfriend, uh, I think it'd be easier to commit because you can, you can visit a lot. I mean, you can still spend hypothetically six months in the U S with no issues. As long, I think as you're sporadic, because yeah. the issue the IRS will try to make. And again, they, in my opinion, they love, amb uh, you know, ambiguous rules. They'll try to say like, well, you were in Miami for, you know, X amount of months in a row. So like, we feel like there's a closer connection. They call it the connection test and they'll try to, they can try to say that you have closer ties to the U S. So that's part of the reason I sold all my cars. I got rid of all my stuff. Um, everything got transferred out of my name or sold. And that's kind of, the, that's kind of the game you have to play, but. End of you don't the have day, a house or anything in Miami or anything? What were you saying? You don't have a house or anything in Miami anymore? I don't. No, no. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you own one. I don't personally like it because I feel like I changed my mind too much. Yeah, I rent, dude. I, I don't believe in owning homes unless I'm going to rent them out. Yeah. So I think yeah. if I ever really want to settle down and I know I'm going to be somewhere for an extended period of time, but I've, if you, if you just look at the last four years of my life, I've moved so much and I changed my mind so much that it's not a good decision for me personally. Yeah. It's interesting when I talk to different people because some people love Puerto Rico. And then some people go down there and they're like, stay away at all costs, right? Um, so my uh, my wife, she um, she used to live in St. John in the Virgin Islands. Okay, yeah. And yeah, she was like uh, a first mate down there and just like went around on all the yachts and like took, you know, did tours and everything like that. And so we went there on our honeymoon and I got down there and I was like, yeah, this is a different world. Like, so if I were to ever move someplace tropical, it would probably, probably be down there because the tax rates down there are like, 
four percent too like it's I super say, yeah like you can live in the virgin islands or you can live it's either puerto rico or it's like the virgin islands yeah um, the only thing with the virgin islands they're even smaller yeah right? they're so yeah. tiny dude oh my gosh like i went to hawaii and i was like i could probably do hawaii i got down to the virgin islands and like she she's dead set to move down there someday and i'm like we might have a house down there that we can like rent out an airbnb but i could never i don't know if i could ever move down there like long term because like St. John is like four miles, four or five miles wide. That's it. And that's the whole island. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I mean, for me personally, Puerto Rico has been okay so far because most, most of when I come back to the U.S. is Miami, and it's a two-hour flight. So going yeah. back and forth is not a big deal. If I lived in Arizona or L.A. or even yeah. probably Texas, it, it would take too much time, and I wouldn't consider it. So I think, yeah. I think part of it has to be that equation, and then the second part is. You know what are you going down there for i work a lot and so the way i viewed it at least to this point is i'm going well i'm basically paying more money to work here instead of there and i'm yeah. doing the exact same stuff um the the other benefit i did like is that the money that you do keep you don't have to do a bunch of like i want to say hokey pokey but you know all this all the tax deduction stuff that you have to do it all usually is like you got to put it here and then it's got to sit there for a little bit and then you pull it out and then maybe it gets taxed at capital gains or, you know puerto rico it's clean i mean you get the money it sits there and you can use it for whatever the heck you want which is like one of my favorite things so yeah i've i've, I've been going through it the last few days ironically the last few days me and my uh, girlfriend have been having a lot of discussions and i've been talking to the lawyers and stuff but I just really need to decide to move on with my life because right now. Yeah. It's, it's Where are you from? Space. Initially. Houston. So I was born in Utah, but I moved to Houston when I was like six or seven. And then I grew up in Houston my whole life. And then ironically, I was trying to get a place because I, I started my business in my parents' house. Started going good. I was like, hey, I need to like, you know, go live my life like yeah, yeah. place. And I got a place in Houston, but at the last second, the realtor like we had the agreement stuff, but they gave it to someone else at a higher price. I was super pissed. And what so, the heck? yeah, I don't know. So, so for whatever reason, that was like one of the only places I found in Houston that I liked. And so I said, you know, forget this. I'm going to go to Miami and check it out. So I went down to Miami with one of my buddies. We rented Airbnb for two months. I loved it. Yeah. And and I, I never looked back. And so I love it. I love it down here. And then last year, what was sparked the Puerto Rico thing is – to that point, I hadn't ever paid a bunch in tax because I started I started making money around 25. So I did my first million, like 25 to 26. How old are you now? 29. Yeah. 29 now. So so I had like a, so I, you know, I made a million, but then you have deductions and half of it was one year, half of it was the other year. Right, right. I didn't really have a fat tax bill until like 20, like I was turning 28 in January and my, you know, CPA comes to me. He's like, Hey man, like you owe this much. And I, I was like, what? And I, I didn't, I didn't realize like it was close to seven figures and I'm sitting here going like, I didn't have the money. Like right. I, I spent most of it or I, I invested it or I put it in like whole life policies. Like, yeah, bro, you still have to pay tax on that. So just being an idiot. And so when that happened, I immediately just got, I got super upset. Like I got really upset just inside and that's kind of what sparked this whole Puerto Rico thing. But you know, then the issue is, you know, like if you want to live somewhere in the States or you have a significant other, you know, it can create some problems, which is kind of what I'm going through. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting, especially when you have a, a girlfriend that lives in Miami, you know what I mean? Like in a different place. And like, for me, 
Um, it's funny before I got married, my girlfriend was the one that wanted to travel. And like, I yeah. was the one that, uh, I was the one that was like, no, I just want to sit and work. Right. And then my like brother passed away in a helicopter crash. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I gotta go like figure out my life. Like this is crazy. And so we went around the world together and, uh, we got our traveling in and then we got married right afterwards. So like, you know, now we're married. And so now we just go everywhere together, but she would move every month for the rest of her life. If I never wanted to settle yeah, down. I mean, that, that's the other thing is, is if you, if you go to Puerto Rico and you want to travel, it makes a whole ton of sense because you, you, you're there for six months and then the rest of the year you can travel. The other thing is as long as you're not in the States, they don't really care. Like Puerto Rico isn't the issue. The IRS is the issue. Puerto Rico doesn't care because with them, the agreement, mm. is like they're getting, they're getting your money pumped into their economy. So they don't really, the issue is never with Puerto Rico. The issue is with the IRS. So as long and, as you don't go to the U S what was it? As long as you don't go to the U S yeah, I mean, and you can, but right. what the U.S. is looking at is they're like, how often are you coming here? Do you have cars here? Do you have houses here? And so that's part of why I got rid of everything, and I still come here, but it's very infrequent. And so it works for me because I basically fly for free with all like my credit card points. Right, right. And so going back and forth is not a big deal. And then, you know, when I come here, uh, I have friends I can stay with or my girlfriend or whatever, and so it, it works out. Yeah. But um that that's kind of the dilemma if like you want to be somewhere like every day and you want to wake up there and you want to build a life there it's it's more of a predicament so, yeah for sure for sure how did uh how'd you go to zero to eight figures so fast dude like what's the secret what's the secret <laughs> to making money and getting rich uh i i think part i mean i think part of it was some of the stuff that built up to it so until that point i'd been a football player i'd been doing patrolling oh, interesting yeah, I had uh, I played Division One football. I done door to door sales, and so I didn't. It happened suddenly because it, it depends on the context. Like if you look at when I started trying to make money in a business, yeah, you say it took me years. But yeah. when you look at when I actually started making like actual income from the business, it was very quick. So <clears throat> the benefit I had really was I just I was brought up I think with a really extreme work ethic. Like my dad is very much. You know, you're not owed anything. You need to get what you, uh, you know, what you make. He's very red. He's very conservative. Um, not a huge fan of the government, right? You can probably guess that. And so I had that. And then you mixed it with, I met, you know, David Fry was one of my dad's good friends. And we just had lunch one day and he's, he's uh, married to, I think it's Russell Brunson's cousin. And so he knew all that world and he started like telling me about it. And he somehow convinced me to leave school. I had like a year left. He convinced me to leave school and was like, bro, don't go back to school. Just come work in my office and I'll help you. And I did. And, and then over the next year or so, I learned like everything I could about internet marketing. And I, I wasn't making any money yet, but I, it was, it was definitely time well spent. And so he was trying to have me sell something for like 37 bucks. Wasn't working. I didn't have any money. And then someone told me about high ticket and the very next day I was like, okay, I got on my like social media and I just started calling people and I made like 10 K in a week. Oh my gosh. And, and from there it just exploded because I, I, I quote unquote figured it out. And then I just scaled from there, you know? So I think, I think those, those years were like super instrumental and yeah. just also being an athlete and stuff, because it just taught me how to work really hard. And, and I'd already been up against a lot of adversity. 
And so when stuff wasn't working out immediately, it was super disheartening, but it, I kind of stuck with it. And then when it took off, you know, I had a lot of confidence and I just took it from there. So, yeah. Do you have like, um, like a unique way of doing things like Russell has funnels, right? He's the funnel guy, right? And Dan Henry for the longest time was like the Facebook ads guy. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. like, is your thing, I mean, I know you talk a lot about high ticket, but is that what made you like, is that kind of like the thing that you're known for? And I apologize. I got to turn off my notifications here. Um, Cause like, I work with a lot of people. They're like, I just don't know my thing. Right. Like, I don't know the thing that I'm going to do. And I'm like, I look at you and I'm like, I mean, I don't know. Do you have a thing? Or did you just like yeah, I, make money? <laughs> no, I think I think the thing that really helped me, especially when I started in the industry, was right when I started figuring out high ticket, many chat came out. So that was very new. Mm. And I remember being super frustrated running ads to funnels because they wouldn't work for me. And I was hiring everyone, or it felt that way. And I, I press, you know, launch on the ads and I'd sit and wait. And I hated that because I was just sitting there hoping it would work. So when ManyChat came out, the cool thing is I actually got so frustrated that I actually called the coach I had at the time and I was super pissed. And I was like, you told me like, this would be different. It's like my fifth program. I spent like $50,000. Like I'm still at my parents' house. Like this freaking sucks on and on and on. And, um, long story short, I was like, I'm going to make this thing freaking work. So I went back in messenger and I started DMing everyone. Cause at that point, most people, even today, they'll just, they'll run them in there and they'll just push them to like a webinar or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when I started making money from ads. And I remember I went back and I'd spent like two or three grand on ads. And then I made 18,000 in sales by following up. I was like, Oh shit. Like I just figured out the next step. And so when I started helping clients, that was the, that was very new. And it was very like uncommon and that was kind of my secret edge. So I could bring someone in who, you know, didn't have the most skill, wasn't great with like copy or offers and we could run the ads and then have them go in there and follow up. And so we've created like a whole system around that. It's a lot more common now. You see yeah, yeah. people like coaching on conversations and, and DMS, but at the time, um, at least to me, I, I actually felt like I was the only person teaching that and it, and it, it, I think it's part of the reason why my revenue exploded so fast because that was my whole angle. And I would do ads saying, you know, Hey, every coach tells you to run webinars, but this is actually better. And this is why I'm like, it's going to work for sure. And uh, so now it's, it's a lot more common, but yeah. that was my main thing. And, and even to this day, we still run a lot of our operations through that. And a lot of our students use that because, you know, they're less skilled. And so yeah. I, I think it's harder to teach someone how to make a perfect webinar than it is to teach someone how to follow up in a DM because a lot of it's effort that they'll still make mistakes. Yeah. When, when you have more effort, I think that sets, separates you from most people because the number one thing most people don't want to do is put in effort. Right. Yeah, dude. Teaching people how to do webinars is, oh my gosh. Like even if it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's hard, much less a group setting. I remember, um, I worked with Cashflow Tactics and I, I mean, yeah. Brad and Ryan, I freaking love them, right? Like Brad's one of my best friends. Yeah. We talk all the time. But I was trying to coach them on like how to, you know, present and how to like, I was like, no, you got to do this and then you got to do this. And we would go through and we'd get done with the webinar and like, be like pounding my head against the wall. I'd be like, Brad, just say like this. And it's like, he's like one of the smartest dudes I've ever met in my whole life, right? And it's like, so it's like some people just have a hard time understanding like what it is that you have to do when you're doing a webinar. And so, you know, we shifted a lot 
why I teach a lot of people five day challenges because I'm like, at least with a five day challenge, you get five days with somebody, right? Mm -hmm. You can make a lot more mistakes than in a 60 minute webinar. Yeah. Um, but Russell Brunson, dude, he makes it look so easy. Like he gets up yeah. there and he's like, dude, literally, I made $10 million. And you're like, yeah. How? <laughs> yeah, Russell, Russell's a different breed too, man. He's crazy in a good way, you know? So yeah, I, I think end of the day, the biggest thing is just when you're trying to teach beginners, you have to try to give them slam dunks. And it's funny you like bring that up because in the last, it's so funny. I'm like almost every combo I have now, like someone brings up Alex because he's just been so successful. And um, he's he a beast. Yeah, he reached out to me a couple of years ago and I completely ignored him because I thought at the time he was trying to get me to sell like his supplements or something from Prestige Labs. And so I just like, I completely ignored him. I didn't That's so funny. And then about two years later, we get put in the same texting thread. And so it was like super awkward for me because I'm like, oh man, like, like this guy reached out to me, I didn't text him. So anyways, we finally get on a call and it was super cool. Like he just, it was just kind of like this. He just was like, hey man, yeah. Just he's super chill. Yeah, he's super chill. And I mean, he's the, he's been the master at that because not to take anything away from his success, but especially gym launch, when you look at it, mm. it's, it's such a good model. Like it's such a good model because the way they set it up is they take a gym owner, you know, that's selling 57 what dollar price ticket, they jack it up to like 500 bucks and then they make it an in-person sell, which is like 90% close rate right. versus 30%. So it's easier to close. They run local Facebook ads, you know, so it's cheaper and it's more targeted. There's not as much competition. It's like, there's so many benefits to it. And then they just, it works like 98% of the time, which in the online industry, there's just more skill that's involved. Yeah. And so yeah. I've looked, I've looked at him in like awe when he starts breaking stuff down, because if you can make offers that good, where just anyone can succeed, yeah. I mean, that, that's ultimately the goal. And so as I've gotten, um, like more mature and I've, I've gotten older, that's the businesses I'm looking for. I'm looking for businesses where it's just anyone can do it and it's a slam dunk. And the irony is the business I've created now, it's a lot of work. Like I have to have a lot of fulfillment. I have to have a lot of good coaches. We have to put a lot of time into clients and it makes, it makes good money. Uh, but you know, you look at Alex and that's like the level I'm trying to get. So I'm like, yeah, hundred million versus, you know, 10 million. It's a little different. Yeah. Um, anyways, I just thought that was very unique and interesting. It kind of went in part with your question. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to, to see. Like when I look in the internet marketing space right now, there's very few people that have made like Alex Hermosi level money without software. Right. And he's like one of the few people that has like, I mean, Russell made his money with software and mm -hmm. like you, you study click funnels and you go, okay, sweet. I understand, you know, how you do that, how you scale that, like, cause it's a platform you're selling the platform and all your education stuff. That's just bonuses. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter how it's sold, that's how it's at, what it actually is. Right. But someone like Alex to be able to get to a hundred million dollars on not, I guess not education purely, but like a service-based company and be able to remove himself like he has is pretty impressive for sure. Oh yeah, well, and I think what's more impressive is, um, I'm pretty sure is that I mean, I'm pretty sure his net worth's around there too. I don't think yeah. it's just sales. And so that's the other thing too. As I've gotten older, is I'm super focused on like net worth and profit um, because you know my early days it was just well, I just want to say I did a million in a month, and I just want right. to say I did this. Now I just I just honestly do not care. Like yeah. I, I would rather make less if it's more profit than make more with less margin. And he's, he's done really good at that. And that's something that 
I think he's done very well for himself where he's fine. He finds businesses that he know he can push, but they're just good offers that will sell. And then, and what I've, you know, in the internet marketing industry, a lot of the business coaching and stuff, it's not, it's it, you can make money. You can be a millionaire, but it's not the easiest thing to sell because yeah. the more skill and the more fulfillment it takes, the harder it is to scale. Um, yep. One of my, one of my best offers right now with one of my portfolio companies is actually, it's just day trading. And I think oh, the really? reason so well is there's not a lot of fulfillment because basically they're just going to him to like hey like teach me how to day trade or like can i see like what you're doing and stuff like that and then the second thing is everyone wants to do it because the average person and this goes back to his book i thought his book was so well written um oh hermosis change the title of this whole episode to like tanner fanboy yeah <laughs> But yeah, Texas like, Tanner and Alex Hermosi. Yeah. But yeah, like this, this last year was the first year my business started to struggle. And when I say struggle, it just wasn't a record month. I, right. I literally had a record month for like three years in a row. It was insane. Dang. And when I read that book and he broke down um, kind of those four pillars that's yep. in there. Yep. That, that was so, that just like changed everything for me because I realized, I said, one, I'm not adding in these extra services because I'm being lazy because it's going to cost effort. And then two, I'm not thinking about this stuff up front. And so yeah. as soon as I've started doing that, everything's gotten a lot easier and a lot better. It's also been easier to know what to add, but yeah, there's just a lot of good things to say about him. Super impressed with him and just like who he is as a person and like his business, obviously. And I think he's, well, he's 32. So it's I so wild when you think about it like that. Yeah. He's young, man. He's yeah. He's up, he's up there with, he's talking to guys, you know, three times his age and they're in the same place. So it's, it's impressive. And he's a, he's a good dude on top of that. Like I was, yeah. I was more impressed. Uh, honestly, he was more impressed who he was like as a person, um, in his business stuff. Cause the irony is when we talk, a lot of it is, it's not really about business. There's right. he, he, he reminds me of my brother in a sense, in a good way and how he, how he talks and stuff. So. Anyway, that's awesome. And for those yeah. of you that want to check out his book, it's hundred million dollar offers. We've talked about it before, but, uh, seriously, he, I got, he was giving it out to like people or like early. And so, yeah. you know, like before it launched. And so I got to read it like a few days before it dropped. Yeah. And like, I went and dropped my Jeep off, uh, like to just get, I think it was like an oil change or something like that. Right. Just a you know, service. And I sat down and I started reading it as I was waiting and I like boxed my assistant. I was like, cancel my plans for the rest of the day. I'm going to finish the book. I just like yeah. read, read the whole entire book in one day. It was like, <laughs> This is just mind blowing. So yeah, well, yeah, he, was, I, I think so similar to the stuff he seems to value. I'm so similar where I don't want to read a long book. I want a short book. I want it actionable. Yep. Even after I read his book, I felt bad about my book. I go, man, I, didn't, I don't know if I put enough effort into my book because yeah. it was so detailed about one thing. And my book kind of covered everything. I, I was like yep. a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And he just hit yeah. on one thing. And I, I thought, I, even for me, I learned that one page was worth the book, right? That one with the formula and where, where, yeah, it's like kind of the addition symbol. And then he yep. has the yep. four sectors. The four, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because, because he hit the nail right on the head. He, he, he makes comments where he makes fun of marketers. I like it, you know, not, not in a bad way, but right, right, right. <laughs> but he's just like, yeah, everyone talks about giving more value, but no one actually knows what that means. And so yep. he, when he broke it down the way he did, it's just absolutely in, uh, increased my business and my sales. And it's made it easier for me to look at businesses and, and know what I'm looking for and like yeah. what I want to build. So 
anyways, yeah, just, yeah. just tons of tons of good stuff. Um, yeah, with Alex. But right. so so here's my next question for you. Then so the podcast, this podcast is primarily about helping people, really helping myself. But you know, people can come <laughs> along for the journey. But have have, have freedom have fulfillment and live a purpose-driven life, right? Because like for me, I think if there were one was one word that would encapsulate my, like my life and my desire of everything, it's freedom, right? And then yeah. when I had a, a certain level of freedom in my life, I kind of got to a point where I was like, sweet, now I can kind of, I'm not like loaded rich, but I can kind of do whatever I want, right? Like I don't, I, I don't owe anybody anything. I've got no debt. I've got complete freedom to do anything. Then that shifted to those kind of next phases of like, feeling fulfilled and like living a purpose-driven life and kind of things like that. So starting with kind of the freedom element of it, because just just so a little hook for everybody, we're getting to your post because uh, that's, um, yeah, I have questions about that. It's going to sure. be good. Sure. It's, it's going to be good. But let's start with the freedom aspect of it. What changed in your life once you started making a bunch of money? Like, like what were the mental shifts? What were the things that you noticed that you stopped valuing or started valuing? Like how did it change once you had financial like true true financial freedom yeah um so my my whole identity before i started a business was football I mean, that was my whole identity and when it ended it it was very depressing um in fact i i think i think football and sports as much as i love them um it's very dark actually um in college it's it's very transactional it's very much you're, you're almost treated like cattle in a sense. Mm. So, uh, you know, on TV, it's very idolized, but the reality is, you know, 90% of the players, 95%, when that's done, their life is literally over because all the players are given a C just so they can play. And so when they graduate with, you know, some terrible degree that does nothing, a lot of them have to go do very terrible jobs and they haven't learned how to work hard because, they just kind of gotten skated by by the teachers. And I've played with division, I've played with, you know, round one talent. I mean, multiple players I played actually talked to them, know them, spoke to them, have their numbers. Mm. And um, there's very few guys that get there. So getting to your question with the freedom, uh, I, I struggled a lot until my business took off because I felt, I just felt like a loser. I didn't feel like I was anyone. I remember going to school and I just felt so average because until that point my whole identity had been oh tanner he's a he's a football player he's really good like and that was how i'd introduce myself to girls and people and then that was gone mm. um so i i think i think the biggest thing when i started making money it was just nice to not have to worry about what stuff cost when when i was uh trying to make something of myself i would make about three thousand bucks a month four thousand max and i just remember every little thing was a big deal the car would break down a date. I remember I worked at all garden and I go one date with the girl here is my full day's wage. Like, dude, I worked at all garden too as a server. That's crazy. You know, a hundred, a hundred, hundred bucks, 110 bucks I would make in tips. And I just remember feeling that just wasn't the way I wanted to live. And I didn't grow up poor, but my dad was a teacher and we had seven kids. And so oh, I damn. remember, I re yeah, I remember them having a lot of talks or discussions or arguments, whatever you want to call them, about how much they were spending, how much they were saving. My mom, you know, sometimes would buy stuff and hide it. And uh, my dad would find out and not get happy. And I just never wanted to live that way. So I think the big benefit for me was just being able to buy stuff without 
worrying about how much it costs or if I want to go on a vacation. And, and I think a lot of people don't think that way because most of the times when we don't do things, it's because we can't afford it. Yeah. I, I don't think people don't do things because they don't want to. I think it's because usually they can't afford it. And so outside of, you know, buying it, you don't need, a, you don't need to go buy jets and yachts and stuff, but I think it's fun when you can get up whenever you want and go have a vacation or you can take time off from work or you can go to a five-star restaurant and pay $600 for overpriced food. <laughs> and, you know, everyone has their thing, but that that's always been what it was for me. And, you know, I bought a lot of things along the way thinking that that would make me feel more fulfilled or it made me feel different. And it was, that was the second time I got depressed when I, I actually went through that. And I realized that, I didn't feel any different and it was really depressing for me because I thought when I got there, I would. And, and when I didn't, it, it made me question a lot of things about life um, and myself and the purpose and meaning and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I struggled with that. I really did. Yeah. So I actually, can we, can we talk about that actually? Sure. Is that cool? Okay. So did you grow up religious? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew, I grew up LDS similar to Russell. Um, so my parents are very, very religious. Yeah. Okay. So like I read your post and like Russell, actually I, was, I do podcasts with Russell on his show and yeah. Russell was like, you're doing an episode with Tanner. You got to ask him about that. Right. Like, so even he's curious. Right. But like, so as somebody like uh, context here for just a second, I grew up super duper religious as well. Like right. not LDS, but I come from a family of eight kids. I'm the second oldest. My brother passed away. So I'm the oldest now. So like, Totally get it, right? And my parents are super chill now, but like back in the day, they were like about as conservative and cult-like as you come. Like my sisters are wearing, you know, dresses to their, you know, their ankles. And like, I had to wear a shirt when I swam because it was immodest. We couldn't listen to any music with a beat in it. Like, I mean, it was like uber, uber, uber conservative. Yeah. I was homeschooled, was lived on a farm. <laughs> yeah, so you get it, right? And so like, I had my own, I had my own path. I, you know, I, I started chasing money because I wanted freedom. I finally got out. I, you know, left my home. I left my home state. I ran away, finally made enough money to where I was like, sweet, I'm like free. Yeah. And then thinking that entrepreneurship and success and money was going to be the thing that made me happy. And then for me, my wake up call was I get a phone call from my mom and my brother's dead in a helicopter crash over in Kenya and his wife, pregnant wife and five-year-old son are left behind. And I'm like the F God. Right. And yeah. so at that point I sell my business and I go around the world and I, you know, my girlfriend at the time, she's not my wife, but you know, I went through that journey and I left the church. I left religion up until that point. I kind of ran away from it. And I never like said that there was no God. I never was like, ah, oh, you know, F, you know, like he doesn't exist or anything. I knew he was probably there, but like it gave him no, no time of day whatsoever. Right. And then I went around the world and my conclusion I came like that I came back to was the only thing that mattered was God, right? It was very interesting because I went on that, you know, a journey and there was, you know, there was some help with maybe some psychedelic stuff in there and you know, different things of that nature that, you know, certainly opened my mind to some things. But I studied all different types of religions, right? From you know, Hinduism and Buddhism to Islam to Christianity, Mormonism, Catholicism, like everything, just like for a whole year, did nothing but just read religious books, right? Yeah. And so for me, I came back and I was like, my meaning, my purpose in life is to serve and bring honor and glory to God, right? Like that's my purpose. 
And so my life very much became very focused on that, right? I hate traditional church. I think it's a, a scam in a lot of ways, but the original foundation of church, I agree with like kind of all these different things. And so then I read someone like you know your post and you kind of went and whatever led you to get to that point, you walked away from it thinking, okay, there's, there's no meaning, there's no purpose. And we're all just going to just be gone. So like, how did you arrive at that conclusion? And like, yeah, just talk to me a little bit more about that. Cause I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I, when I got, when I got to like, I guess the pinnacle, um, you know, I'm living in Miami. I'm in a penthouse, like 25 K a month. I've got a, you know, $600,000 Lambo. I mean, I'm going on dates like every night with, you know, pretty much anyone I want. And I just remember like, I woke up one day and I just, I just didn't really feel that good. I didn't really feel that happy. And I, I think, I think part of it was my girlfriend right now, we were on and off a lot because of that. And so I think part of it was that is, you know, like when you have a really good girl and you're constantly like breaking up and, you know, hanging out with other girls who may be good looking, but they're not, there's may not be as much substance. I think it was part of that, but I just remember feeling like when I was broke, I had this purpose to become rich and make money. And then I have this money and it's not really, it's like, well, who cares? Right. Like I'm at this level now where, you know, I've made, you know, multiple eight figures, I have eight figure net worth, I can do whatever I want. Like, but I, I just was like, but who cares? Like, no one really cares. Like, no one cares who I date. No one cares how much money I made. Even the people I've quote unquote impacted, it just felt very small. And so I just started thinking about what's, you know, what's the purpose of everything. So I was going to, you know, a therapist and all kinds of things. And, you know, my, my parent, my parents are super religious, but and I'm not against religion either. I think, you know, I think maybe how sometimes I write, you know, people may get that, but I'm not, I'm not against it. I just, I just think sometimes people can, they can use it bad in both ways. Some people will use it as, you know, a crutch to when something bad happens or whatever, they'd be like, Oh, well, you know, that's, that's what God wants, et cetera. Sometimes that would kind of, <laughs> miss, that would kind of miss me because yeah. sometimes I would be like, man, that happened because you're lazy. Yeah, like that, that happened because you don't work hard. That has that has nothing to do with God. On the other hand, I think sometimes people can take it the whole other direction, where you know they say like, "Well, God doesn't matter at all," or "There isn't a God" and stuff like that. And so, you know, I've had both influences in my life. My parents are very religious. One of my good friends is not. Um, I mean, he I don't he doesn't even believe in God. And I, I think I think what he said to me though was instrumental in the fact that I was going to a therapist and I'm asking like, you know, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What are we doing? And I think at the end of the day, just like what I came to and what kind of made me feel better was I came to the conclusion that like nothing we really do here matters. And what I meant by that was it doesn't really matter how much money I make or what business I run or what girl I marry or, or what I do outside probably being a good person. I, I want to be a good person because I just think that's like important. I don't think regardless of what you believe that you should just be an absolute hoodlum and break the law and like kill and pillage and plunder. But I, I think someone who is ahead of me, I hadn't, I hadn't met a lot of people at my age who had made more than me. And so part of, part of it was probably my fault where I would say like, well, they don't understand. Like they're saying this, but they don't really understand because they're not in my shoes and they haven't done what I've done. And so I met someone who uh, is around my age and they've made a lot. And they just said that, 
you know, I was asking these questions. He's like, well, why does life have to have meaning to it? You know, why, why does work have to have meaning to it? And I was like, well, then what's the point of being here? And he's like, that, that's the thing, dude. There, there isn't really a point. Like mm. you need to do business because you enjoy it. You don't need to do it to like have a purpose or you don't need to like help uh, make a trillion dollars so that you can attach meaning to it. Maybe that's just what you want to do. And so if I was going to simplify my answer, sorry, that was a little bit of a ramble, but I don't oh, know. That's fine. I, I think what just helped me feel better and feel more at peace was that nothing, nothing we really do here in the context of eternity really does matter. Like, you know, Betty White died the other day. Yeah. No one's going to talk about her in a week. They'll bring right. her up once a year, maybe, maybe every other year. But that, that kind of hit me hard when I started realizing like people just really don't care or you're just, you're just very insignificant in the grand scheme. And so, you know, whether you want to, whether you believe in God or not, I guess that for me was very depressing because I just felt like, man, like nothing we really do, like at the end of the day, no one's going to remember us or no one's going to have anything to say about us or, or, you know, after our funeral, a few days later, we'll be forgotten. And so that just, I think that's what kind of gave me a lot of comfort is that friend of mine just kind of tried to get me to shift perspective and say, dude, look, like, that's the thing. Like, if nothing really matters, then why are you stressing about it? Or why are you doing what you do? And so at the time with business, I was questioning, why do I have a business? Why am I making money? And it brought me back to just realize, like, I, I like business. Like, I like building things. I like working hard. Yeah. I like pushing myself to be better every day versus just kind of aimlessly wandering around trying to find meaning. And so, you know, in that context, I think that's where some people do attach God. They're like, well, yeah, none of this, none of what we're doing here does matter. Hence why God is so important. And, um, so to do, add do that, you believe that God exists? Yeah, it's a loaded question. Um, do you believe that some form of higher power intelligence exists? Yeah, right now, right now I do. Okay. I, I would definitely say, like, I would definitely say I'm, I'm so far from religion at this point, you know, like I've, I'm really far from it. I mean, you know, my parents and stuff are still very religious, a lot of my family, but I do, I, I do. Um, I don't, I haven't thought too deep on it recently or like, yeah. I don't try to make too much of it, but I, I just think, I just think religion, it, it, it's no one's fault. And that, I think that's the hard part with like politics and religion is I don't think anyone necessarily means bad. It's just sometimes people will make statements or do things and it gives someone a type of experience that they look at that and go, oh, see, religion's bad or yeah, this is bad. When in reality, it's just it's just like that person's an idiot. And yeah. not everyone's like that. But, you know, growing up, I had a couple of traumatic experiences where, you know, my parents made me break up with my girlfriend at a time uh, to go on a Mormon mission. And I ended up not going because of that, because I was so upset because I was doing everything to let her straight A's, had scholarships coming through, wasn't having sex, wasn't drinking. And they made us break up. And I was like, I thought at the time I was just young, but I now that I'm older, I'm pretty sure I was in love with her, which is why I was so upset. Mm. Because that was like, I was just that close with her. And so when that happened, she just completely changed how she treated me. Like I've never seen anything like it. And so to this day, I just, I just had a lot of negativity towards religion and towards people in general, where like, I'm very mistrusting of people sometimes to a point yeah. because I was like, how could someone who 
like said they love me and treat me that well just like in a day i mean it was like crazy man like a week later she was talking to other dudes and all this and we've been dating for years and i it just like threw me so off guard and then the way my parents handled things and so it just kind of it just kind of escalated from there and then i i just became less religious i became less active and that's it's that's kind of been my trend and then when i got to this pinnacle and i just didn't feel any different um i just didn't really know what to do and i was like extremely extremely depressed mm. and, and so yeah that's i mean that's kind of been my experience hopefully that i don't know if that followed like a good flow um doesn't matter dude this is just conversation yeah but it, it was I, I think i think that is like the biggest thing that helped me this last year was just coming to peace with not having to try to put meaning behind everything and so not saying that so that someone doesn't have to feel like there is a god or they can't yeah i just think regardless if you believe there's a god or not that the stuff we do on a day-to-day -day basis at least in my opinion doesn't matter probably as much as we try to make it out to be like what we do for work what books we read what car we like i just think sometimes i was trying to put so much meaning on that and try to figure out like what was the purpose and yeah and my friend just was like i mean dude like it doesn't it's not that big a deal honestly it's not as big as you're trying to make it mm. yeah and he personally doesn't believe in god i don't i don't think i'm there yet but i think part of the reason he he's that way is you know he kind of ironically he kind of went down the same path you did and i i kind of did to an extent where um i was reading all these books on religion and he did the same thing as you and i think it's also very interesting when you see humans like do the same things and they go down completely separate paths so like you read all these yeah. books on religion and you went this way he read all these books and he was like oh this is a bunch of like manui went this way i did it i'm kind of like i would say I'm <laughs> well, I, I believe i believe in god but i'm not I'm not super religious. I'm not like, yeah. I, don't, I don't like go to church every week and I don't, I don't really think I have like a, something I'm set on, but he, he did that. And that's kind of like what he decided. He was well, like, you know, what's interesting on that topic. So yeah. th there's a pastor, his name's Steve Cuss. I'm actually gonna have it on the show uh, shortly after this episode. Um, but he actually was one of the people that changed my life in this like kind of journey. I sat down with him one time. He's, He's probably the best storyteller that I've ever heard speak. And like, yeah. I'm good friends with Russell, right? I actually told Russell that I was like, <laughs> Russell, I think I finally found your match, right? He's not a marketer, but uh, you know, he's, he's a pastor guy, right? Anyway, he's from Australia and uh, he's over here. He's actually, he just stepped down to actually start a business uh, do teaching leadership stuff. Anyway, so I sat down with him and like, I read all these different books. And my, my big thing was, I was like, I got back from the world trip and I was like, I'm absolutely 100% there's a God, convinced that there's a God that loves me. But what I struggled with is I was like, how is someone going to tell me that Ben Shapiro, Russell Brunson, and Ravi Zacharias, who are Jew, Mormon, and Christian, who are completely dedicated to their life, you know, their life to Christ, one of them is going to go to heaven and the other two are going to go to hell. Like, how yeah. are you going to tell me that, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And so for me, like, I was like, I want to know that the religion that I'm following, which religion is ugh, ugh, just an icky word, but like, yeah. but the, you know, the, the biblical belief, whether that's the Quran or the Bible or the Book of Mormon, like, I want to know that that's real, right? Like, I want to know that that's actually the one, right? Because I'm like, what if I dedicate my whole life to the Bible? And then I get to the end of my life and I find out, well, dang, yes, there is a God, but it's not the God of the Bible, right? Like, that would yeah. suck, right? And so I sat down, I, I sat down with, with Steve and uh, I mean, he's 
like just one of the most genuine people like I've ever met, right? Just like super, super dedicated to his wife, his family, like someone that I'm like, I look at him and I'm like, I want to be more, more like you, right? Like, th like that type of person. And so I sit down with him and he's a pastor and I'm like, dude, we were having lunch, this place called Lazy Dogs. And I was like, my question to you is this, I need to know 100% for certain that the Bible is the book, right? Like that it's 100% true, it's 100%, like how do I know that? How did you come to that conclusion? And he looked at me and he kind of laughed and he goes, oh, I have some bad news for you. He's like, I have no idea if it's true or not. He's like, there's absolutely no way to know 100% true if the Bible is true. There's some things that you just have to accept by faith. And he's like, but, you know, every single time that I've followed the Bible, my life has gotten better. I felt more fulfilled and I'm a better person. And yeah. I sat there and I'm like waiting for him to give me this profound answer as to why the Bible is the book, right? Like this is the thing. And it was almost like when he did that, when he, I'm sorry, when he didn't do that, right? When he was like, oh, it might not be, but yet I've dedicated, you know, he's dedicated his entire life to it. Like it gave me this freedom to be like, oh, okay, well, you know what? Like maybe I'll never know if the Bible is real. Maybe I'll never know if that's hundred percent true until after I die. But in a weird way, it almost gave me like freedom. And it gave me like this piece of like, okay, even the most dedicated people still struggle with this question, right? Yeah. Even the most, like even the people that are like, have like the whole entirety of their entire life is dedicated to following this book. And even they're not hundred percent sure. Like for me, that gave me uh, a piece about it. And then the thing that he followed up with is that is the Bible becomes real to you. And the, the reason that he, you know, he personally believes it's right is, is like when you experience the truth of the Bible, like when you actually explain, you live it and you actually experience that it's true. He's like, then you can never look away. And so ever since that moment, like that's been for me the thing of like the more I follow the Bible and the more I read about it and like follow what it says, like it's never been wrong, like a single time. Like that. And so for me, like that's how I kind of came to that conclusion. So I'm always interested, you know, and I ask, you're not the first person I've talked to religion about. Do you know Nick Robbins? Nick Rock? No, I don't think so. He's I'm in the agency space. He's he's in, he runs kind of runs around the world. I had a three and a half hour conversation podcast specifically just about God. Uh, on the show yeah. and you know we talked for three hours so i'm always interested to see how people came to different conclusions you know on that because it's fascinating everybody well, has a different life journey. i mean i i kind of agree with you on that point i think you know because i grew up lds and you know lds is i mean and that's the thing that's the other reason i didn't like i i shouldn't say oh i guess i said i didn't like it because i felt like it would cause a lot of conflict with people and, and something that i think i've gotten good at with businesses you know, learning how to say things in a way that will get get the point across, but without like hurting people's feelings or offending them. And and I just notice a lot of people they don't have that skill. So yeah. when they try to talk about religion or politics that are very sensitive like topics for some people. The way they go about it, I'm just like you're not you're not helping. You're making it worse. Yeah. And that was that was something that I struggle with because I I'm very much of the like I, I, I go very hard after things I want or I believe in. And so that, that was kind of like what I struggle with is when I got older and I had to do a mission and, you know, go to church and do all these things, I sat there and thought, you know, am I really dedicated to this or am I just doing it because my parents want me to do it? Mm. And that started making me question a lot of things because a lot of times I started thinking, do I do what I do because I was raised this way? or I'm influenced this way, or do I do what I do? Cause I think that's what I should do. And I think a lot of people don't ask themselves those questions. Yeah. And so that was kind of my dilemma was where kind of what you had, where I said, I don't want to do this if I'm not sure, because 
there's a difference with, in my opinion, there's a difference with saying, you know, you're Christian or you follow God or Jesus, but you don't have these list of things to do versus a religion where it's very black and white on some things. Like you need to do this and this and this and this. And it's more of a lifestyle. It's not like just this one day thing. And that's, that's also where I struggled with because I just said to myself, you know, if I'm not hundred percent in on this, I don't want to base my whole life around it. And, um, that, that was also kind of frustrating for me as well. So I think it's interesting to hear your take on it because that I struggle with that because I, I went and talked to like all these different pastors and different leaders. Did they and, all try to convince you that the Bible or the book of Mormon is the well, right and when I got, when I got done with it, I felt more confused than when I started. And, yep. and, it, and that was so frustrating. It feels like taxes. That's what I said. Taxes. <laughs> the, the more I talk to people, the more confused I get. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was always frustrating for me. So I think some people take it like you did and they're like, well, Hey, God's real, but maybe like, I don't need to go about it this way. And then some people I think they take and go, well, this is just, this just shows me God isn't real. Yeah. And I, and, and I, I think, to your point, it's interesting to see how people interpret that. I'm, I try to be really objective. I also think like I, I, at this point in the way I'm living my life, that belief is not affecting too much of what I do, maybe for good or for worse. And, and so I, I think I'm definitely think there's something out there. I just think where I'm confused or where I'm at is kind of where you were, where what's the best way to go about it or what's the right way to go about it. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting. You brought that up because I went through that same thing. Yeah. How do you, so how do you go then and like, I'm trying to think of the question, how I want to, like, how do you make, how do you determine what is good or bad or right or wrong or like decisions in like life or whatever? Like you said, like, you think that people should be a good person. And like, if there's one thing that's super yeah. relative, I would say good is pretty, pretty, pretty relative. Right. So like, how do you just, like, how, for you, like, how do you decide right and wrong, good or bad, like decisions to make? Like, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, if you got deeper and I'm sure if someone got deeper with me and they like said, well, you know, your past has made you think this way or whatever. I'm sure that could be part of it. But something I did, Josh, when I started making money is I, I pretty much just started doing anything I wanted. And I didn't worry about if it was right or wrong per se. I was like, you know, I want to hook up with that girl. I'm going to do it. Or I'm going to like I've never drank before, I'm going to drink, or I've never done like this drug before, I'm going to try it. Or I would just kind of do whatever. And yeah, I, I think what I came to the conclusion to what made me so depressed is I went from kind of like sheltered slash restricted household. And then I went out and did all the things that I couldn't do. And then I did them and I didn't feel any better. Now, granted, they're exciting. So I think what the difference is and what people don't understand is when you're doing it, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're, if you're doing a certain drug or you're drunk or you're hanging out with a beautiful girl while you're doing it, it's amazing. But the second it ends, you kind of come back to that basis almost. Like if you took a drug, you feel good and then you come down. And that's where I would get very confused and just say, man, like this stuff does, doesn't make me feel good. Like I just don't feel good. Um, and so recently, you know, this last year I was going through it really hard with my girlfriend. I mean, just on and off and on and off. And, and the reason is I've never, I've done some stuff I shouldn't have done, but I've never physically cheated on any girl I've ever dated. So I've never like had a girlfriend, gone out, purposely found another girl hooked up. Like I've never done that. And so we would break on and off because 
I'd like, man, I love being with her, but like, I want to hook up with like 10 girls. And then I would do that. And I was like, oh, but like, they're not, there's no substance. And then like, I was back and forth, back and forth. And uh, I finally, after doing it, like, I feel like six, seven, eight times, like, you know, I don't know how she kept coming back to me. Everyone uh, was getting very pissed at me. Like they were like trying to get her to like not come back to me. And I kept convincing her, but I'm glad she did because I, I think, um, sorry, I got to close that. I think if I hadn't, um, gone through that, I would have just ended up dating other girls and figured it out. But it just really helped me realize after going through that, like where my value was. And I said, you know, I would rather be in a great relationship than be single and hook up with a bunch of girls. Mm. Right. And then that could lead you down. Some guys will say, Oh, but what if you could have both? And what if it could be open? And, I, and like, I think that's more something you need to cross with the person you're with. Cause I think it all comes down to always, it always comes down to like communication, stuff like that. I, I think most people can't pull it off. I think humans are inherently very like jealous. And I think that can go bad for like 90 something percent of people. Yeah. But regardless, regardless if it was open or not open or this or that, I just knew like, I'd rather be with someone with substance and like personality and, and who has the same visions as me than just a, than just, just a good looking girl in Miami. Yeah. And so to answer your question, I think some of it has just been like trial and error and that's a slow way to learn. I don't recommend that for most people, but I mean, you'll, you'll be very convinced in what you believe. And so, so for me, like, I guess part of my actions has just been going through it, maybe doing like stupid things, but then by going through it myself, I come to my conclusion because when I would ask guys, like I actually had conversations with very successful guys and some of the, some of the things they said shocked me. I mean, some of the guys I said, so, you know, dude, like, how do you stay faithful to your wife? And he's like, well, I mean, I don't. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I mean, I, I mean, dude, you just don't get caught. I was like, okay, so there's that opinion. Then you get some guys who are like, <laughs> well, you can, but you know, you got to like mix it up. You got to have like, it's got to be open or you got to do this. And I was like, okay, hey, you got that. Then you got someone else who's like, yeah, bro. Like I just stay completely committed to her. And so I was getting, it, it, it just, I feel like a lot of times when you ask like very deep things about life or relationships, it, it's hard to know based off someone else's viewpoint. And so I don't think that's the best way to learn, but some of the ways I've learned in like your question was like, what's right or wrong. It is like you said, it's very subjective, but for me personally, it's been going through certain things and then kind of having the consequences of my actions come back and reinforce like that isn't worth it. Like yeah. with that girl for one night or even multiple nights is not worth all the downside of like how much it like hurts her. And I think, I think, that's kind of like where I'm at, where I'm better off when she's happy and like, she's loving and she wants to be with me. And so if there's something I'm going to do, that's going to affect that for her. Is it worth it? And it would it be fun. Sure. I, I, I think, I don't know your opinion. I think some guys lie when they say like, Oh, I don't know. I would never want to do that. I'm like, I don't know, man. You're like, you're a dude though. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between wanting and doing. Yeah. And, and so I just think it's having that maturity level to go, you know, making the, making the better decision, like, like pushing it off, just like business, like don't make the short-term decision, make the long-term decision. So that's brought a lot of peace in my life. Yeah. 
I, I think the biggest thing I've struggled with my whole life has been women. I don't, I've never really had a drug issue. Like I've never like smoked weed or, you know, any other hard drug and be like, Oh, I have to do it or, or alcohol. It's always been girls. Mm. And I, I don't know why, but that's just always been something for me where I enjoy, like I enjoy picking up girls. I enjoy taking good looking girls out. And so that was like, kind of like the thing I conquered this year. My life is way, way much lower stress. Like I can't even <laughs> tell you, like I just, and, and like, there's still times, but I think the cool thing too, at least that I've seen is like when you're faithful to someone and they like uh, Alex said this, I actually love some of the stuff Alex says, man, I just, I can't, I'm just a fanboy, but he just says stuff so great. He said something like, you know, you're not trustworthy or not trustworthy. It's like, it's how trustworthy are you? And yeah. Made, that the grades of it. Yeah. He made, he made the example of like, you won't know you're trustworthy till you're in a position where you can cheat and you don't do it. And I thought about that long and hard. And I sat there and I was like, man, that's like such a good way to put it because I think what's given me a lot of peace is like, not, I don't know. It's, it's just like understanding like what I value. So I value a relationship more than other girls and then taking actions that put that in front. And if there was a way, like, mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I'll be honest, like if there's a way to where you could have both, would I probably do it at this moment? Probably. But if I don't feel that that's possible or it's going to jeopardize my relationship, I won't do it. And in the past, I really struggle with that because one day I wanted this, one day I wanted that. One day I wanted this, one day I wanted that. So I didn't know what to do. So I just would break up, go do it, and then come back and then break. And it was a complete nightmare and it's not a good way to live. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. I always love hearing perspectives of how people like make decisions and things. Cause like what I came back to, and one of the things that I kind of like, as I was going through and studying religion and kind of things like that, before deciding which religion to follow, if you will, right? Before <laughs> ultimately being like, you know what? I believe in the Bible and like, this is what I'm doing with my life. I came back to this idea that there, we had to be designed. Like there's gotta be some intelligent designer out there, right? Like I just, I can't wrap my head around living in a world that wasn't designed on purpose. And I know some people are like, there's no way this could be designed on purpose. Look at all the evil, look at all the hurt. I mean, there's horrible, horrible, horrible things that go on in this world, right? But I'm like, when you look at the human mind and you study the brain and you study like just consciousness, like it's just like, it has to be designed. There's no way this happens by chance, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, cool. If there's a designer, and then let's call that designer God. All right, cool. So God designed the world and there's got to be a framework or there's got to be a structure upon which you follow, right? Like there's got to be rules to call it right or wrong, fulfillment, finding purpose, happiness, good and bad. Like there's got to be a moral, you know, like a moral law, right? And, and a moral law giver. And so like when I went back to like, that's what I always came back to. I was like, all right, listen, as much as, there's probably no one I've ever met that loves freedom and doing what they want to do more than I do, man. Like, I mean, maybe you, who knows, but like <laughs> when it comes to this, like, do not tell me what to do ever. Like that's me. Right. And, but I came to this conclusion. Have you ever read uh, Jocko's book? Um, what's it called? The freedom or, or total. What the frick's it called? I don't think so. I've read, so I've read his, uh, what is it? Um, extreme ownership, extreme ownership. Yeah. But there's okay, one, yeah. there's, I thought he had another one though. He does. He has extreme ownership and then it's, um, uh, what is it? 
Jocko books. It's, the le- it's like the leader one. It's like how to be a better leader. Extreme ownership. The, the, the economy of leadership. Yeah. 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 So, but basically, you know, Jocko, and I listened to him on Rogan too, talk about it or whatever, but he's like, basically freedom comes with discipline, right? So like the more discipline freedom that you're going to have, right? And so I'm like, okay, but in order for there, you to be disciplined, there's got to be, you, you have to be disciplined to something. Right. Like there's gotta be like, you know, if you're in the military, it's the military's rule. If it's in business, there's the business rules that you set or whatever. Right. So there's these like laws, there's these rules that you like set and then you follow. And if you're disciplined and you follow them, your life is going to be better. Right. Like in theory. And so I basically sat down, I took it and I was like, there must be a God. And I bet you that if, if God created us and he has it until like he has a design and a purpose for us. I bet you he gave us those rules somewhere. Like that's basically what I came back to. And it was funny. The only person that's ever had an, an argument against that, you know, Dan Henry, obviously, right? I, I was sitting here. <laughs> it doesn't even surprise me if he's the one who had the argument. Dude, right? so yeah. we're sitting, we're sitting down. I'm in well, I'm in Florida with him. It's like two or three in the morning. We're smoking weed. We're like stoned like super super high right i shouldn't probably shouldn't even be saying this but anyway so we're super super high and he goes and, and i go like we're talking about god and we're going back and forth he's like no no you, josh you don't understand he's like i grew up christian i know every argument blah blah blah, blah. And he's you know kind of going off on his thing he's like here's the thing i think there is a god and i'm like oh okay so you do think there's a god he goes yep but he goes but god is a complete dick and i'm like how how so he goes god created the world was like yeah cool i don't care anymore and then he just left us and that's his belief like his belief is that if there is a god and he's not even convinced necessarily that there is a god 100 right he's like god just doesn't care about us and i'm like that's like that answers questions i don't i don't believe that i don't agree with that right but like hypothetically Play that scenario out in your head for a second. Imagine you had unlimited power, right? And you just decided one day, I'm going to try to see what I can do with my power. Boom. And you created the earth. Yeah. And then you got bored with it. And you're like, all right, well, next thing. You just go on the next thing. And yeah, then you just I, leave it. I guess that could be like one story. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when he said that, it was so interesting to me because I had never heard anybody like present it in that way before. Right. And so he has, it's so funny. If you ever listen to Dan talk about God, oh my gosh, like it's actually humorous, but he makes some really, really good points that like most people have not thought about, like even like well-versed Christians anyway. But my whole point coming back to like full circle with this is like, if I believe there is a God, I believe that that God created us with a purpose and a design in mind and that he wouldn't he wouldn't do that without giving us rules to live by and some people may think that you just do those by trial and error but i looked at it and i went i didn't learn funnels by trial and error i didn't learn marketing by trial and error i mean yes there was some trial and error in there for to apply it to me specifically but i followed russell brunson right i didn't learn money by trial and error, I listened to Brad Gibb and Taylor Welch, right? And some Grant Cardone. I didn't learn, you know, and so like everything, every area that I've been successful in my life, I went and I learned from somebody else. Now, I had to do a lot of hard work to get there and it was a lot of trial and error to find those people. But like when I actually had success, it was following a proven path that somebody else had gone out there and figured out, right? And that I had learned from. And so that's why I'm always curious and that's why I asked you the question of like, how do you make decisions? Because for me, like, 
making good and bad decisions. Like I just base it off of the Bible because I'm like, I don't know. So far the Bible hasn't yeah. led me wrong. Does that make sense? No, hundred percent. I, I think, I mean, I think for me, like, that's a good question, man. And, and I, I think part of it is like, I don't even know the answer. I think the number one thing that I've struggled with throughout my life typically was, and what gave my life the most havoc was girls. Mm. And I never, so I've never had an issue with alcohol. I've never had an issue with like drugs or just any of those types of vices. It's just always been women. And so I think this year, to be honest, I think the person who helped me the most was uh, Alex, because when I was going through a lot of these things, me and Alex met while I was going through and he didn't know that at the time, but you know, we started having a conversation. Alex is someone I look up to. He's someone who's close to my age. He's someone who's made a lot of money. And so probably most of it, I guess, would indirectly be from like some of the things he said to me, you know, like I watch, like I watch how he treats Layla and I mean, he's just super loyal to her and that's like his belief. And, and what we would talk about, you know, um, guys who are cheating or doing this, he, he was very adamant, like, nah, dude, like, I don't, I don't like that. I think it's very cowardly and all these types of things. And so maybe that's part of where it's formed from, but I, I can tell you from experience, just like going back and forth with women that this year, when I finally stopped doing that, I felt a lot more peace, like way more peace in my life. Um, so for that specific thing, I think just going through it and then having that affirm it, but I don't know, I guess, I mean, I guess the rest would probably just come from like my dad, you know, I mean, my dad is very religious a lot more than I am right now, but I mean, he worked hard. He didn't, he never was like dishonest. He always tried to do the right thing. Um, so outside of church, I think probably a lot of it did come from my dad because I mean, my dad is always like he's a lot of why I am the way I am, you know, especially the hard work part. So I don't, I don't know if that's the answer, like the right answer, but that's what I'm guessing. Cause when you yeah. ask that, actually a great question. Cause I'm sitting here thinking like, why, why do I think the way I do? Yeah. And I, I haven't gotten very religious with it. So I'm just assuming it's gotta be the people I talk to on a yeah. basis who influence me the most. Yeah. Cause you get, I, I think everyone gets influenced. I think you get influenced from something or someone. Yeah. And it's, it's almost impossible not to, I think it is impossible not to, because, yeah. you know, you see someone born in a third world country and you see what they believe. And then you might see someone born in, you know, like America, where I, I believe it's so predominantly Christian. And so some of those beliefs you just see coming up as a kid because yeah. that's what they were born into. And so I find that very interesting. Yeah. And then one of the most interesting things is. I know you didn't go on a mission. Have you ever been like overseas into like extreme poverty and like stuff like that? Not yet. I mean, I tried going as soon as COVID hit and they cancel it every year. So maybe well, one day. Yeah. So I've been on a couple of like missionary trips just with my church, like when I was growing up and stuff Ooh. like that. And you go overseas or you go to like Guatemala or like a third world country and where it's just like actual just poverty just everywhere. Yeah. Right. And you meet these people and primarily like we would go down there we would go to a church and then we would use the church as like kind of a home base. And then we'd go out in the community and do like different things or whatever, you know, clean up or build a school or like whatever it was. But like, what was crazy is like these people that have absolutely nothing. Like some of them were the most happy people you'd ever meet in your entire life. Like yeah. they are like, like they're like dirt floor houses and like rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And like, are just happy and are just like love life. 
Do you think it's like ignorance? Because sometimes my parents would say that they'd be like, you're so blessed and you're not happy. And I was like, yeah, but I don't live like that. I don't live in that country. Yeah. Like, I know what I can try to get in America. So why am I comparing myself to someone who lives on a dirt floor? Yeah. Like, do you, do well, you think it's, do you think it's like ignorance sometimes? Well, I do. I mean, for sure. I don't, in, in a sense of ignorance of like, they don't know that there's, you know, they don't understand the massive wealth and like what could be done and things of that nature or whatever. But I also, I also don't think that's all of it. I think that could be it for a lot of people. But like, I also know that there's like pastors or whatever that live over there that, you know, born that have come to America. They've seen it. They've experienced it. You know, like they've come and spoken at the churches and then gone back. Yeah. And I think like, I'm not sick. I actually struggled with this a lot. Um, I have a, I had a mindset coach, Katie Richardson. Um, I paid her like 60 grand a year just to work with my mind. Right. And like one of the things that I struggled with a lot was guilt. Cause I was like, you know, I haven't made tens of millions of dollars or anything, but like I make way more money than anybody like that I grew up with. Right. And like have total freedom to kind of do whatever. And, and so I see a lot of my friends going off and being missionaries and going and living overseas. And I was like, Katie, like, should I just go be a missionary? Should I sell everything and just go live overseas on a dirt floor? Right. Like, is that going to make me happy? Is like, is that going to, like, cause right now I feel like guilt. And she's like, well, you know, each person is called to their purpose. Each person is called to do what they've been designed to do. And she's like, somebody could be running away. Like somebody could go off and be a missionary and be running away from what their calling actually is. They could be called to go get rich and be, you know, wealthy and, and provide and somebody else could go be wealthy and be running away. And so she's like, it's very much, it's, it's very much a, um, like you got to know in your heart what it is that you're called to do. But I think the other thing with it is like, it shows that you can learn to be content with nothing, but that, that, that things in and of themselves will never make you happy. Right. I could never get like knowing what I know now, knowing that I know how to go make money. I could never go live on a floor, dirt floor and struggle for water. I'm like, Frick, like I know too much. Right. Like, but like yeah. at the same time, somebody has that and they can find happiness. They can find contentment. They can find peace. If they can do it there, it's like, then, then I can do it no matter where I'm living. And, uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says there is, it's harder for a rich or it's harder or easier for the, the camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get to heaven. And back in the day, like they had these like holes that were called needle holes. And like, basically like it's impo essentially it's impossible for a, a camel to get through one of these holes. Right. But like when you study the verse and you study the context of it, basically what the verse is saying is like, when you have absolute and complete and utter abundance, like just absolute filthy wealth everywhere, it's harder for that person to get to heaven if they are not like born again and like in it than it is for a camel to get through the eye of the needle because they don't want to give all of that up. They don't want to put God first in their life. They don't want to put religion first in their life. They'd rather have all of that. Right. And so sure. I think like that going back to stuff like that, it's like, having wealth, having abundance, having all these things is not bad. Right. Like, King Solomon in the Bible, in the Old Testament, he's the richest dude to ever walk the earth. They estimate his net worth was like $30 trillion or something like that. It was like stupid, right? Like, and he was like one of the most godly men in the history of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. So you have people like that that are just filthy, fil filthy rich. But when you go to these countries, when you go and see poverty and when you go and see that like these people can be happy, it really puts things into perspective. And it's like, okay, cool. Like if it, things will not make me happy. Right. And obviously, you know, that from experience. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, to your point, I think that's what that was kind of frustrating for me. And still, it still kind of is to where I, I like working and I like growing things and, you know, going, going back to what we were talking about where, you know, if none of that really matters, 
And why are we doing it? And I, I think it's a good question because I, you know, I think at some point you have to decide like what you want to do with your life. Yeah. You know, what, what is meaningful to you? And I think we could argue what that is, but at the end of the day, I think that's what makes it somewhat difficult because on one hand, I'm like, ah, none, of, none of this really does matter. Or if it does, it's very insignificant. So sometimes when I do charity work, I, I'm like, I feel good that I did it, but I'm like, man, how, like, that helped like a couple hundred kids. Like, is that really going to matter? Right. That's kind of, that's how I think, you know, mm. better or worse. Um, so to like, to your point of like traveling and, and looking at those things, I think, I think that's kind of what it made it difficult for me for a while because I sat there and thought, man, unless like I do something as big as Mark Zuckerberg and I create Facebook or whatever, and it literally impacts the entire earth, it just, it just seems very minuscule or, or small. Yeah. Um, so it's, inter it's interesting, man. It really is like, uh, there's so many, there's so many thoughts that I've had, like have on that as well. But I think going back to the work thing though, there's a verse in the Bible that says, God will give you the desires of your hearts. And, or, and it's like, if you put God first, and this is a purely a Christian belief, right? I'm not saying this sure. is, but like, if like the most important thing is you put God first, that's number one. And then after you put God first and you say, okay, I'm committed to doing that. Then God is going to give you the desires of your heart. And like, I look at my sister and like, my sister is one of the most like sweet, well, one of my four sisters, I have four of them, but like my oldest sister, like she's one of like the most sweetest loving like just amazing human beings like super super mercy and just wants to like play soccer and be with kids and like do mission stuff or like that's just like what makes her happy like and if she had 10 billion dollars she would live in the exact same place doing the exact same like nothing would change right and like yeah. she tries to put god first and then i'm like there's me then i'm like if you try to sit me around kids playing soccer all day i would lose my mind right like i'm like i want kids someday but like that is not my forte right like oh my god and so like we're given these desires, us as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as marketers, and like we're supposed to go and chase those things, but we're only supposed to chase those things secondarily, right? It's like God is first, business is second. God is first, our desires are second, right? And so I think for me, that's given me a lot of peace to know because like, man, when I didn't put God first, like when I didn't pray every day, when I didn't, like my anxiety levels, dude, were through the roof. Like I was constantly worried if someone was mad at me. I was constantly worried if some what people thought of me. I was constantly worried about all these other things, which are not bad things to be worried about, right? But I was like, at the end of the day, when I like kind of just gave it all up and I was like, you know what? God has a plan with all this and I'm going to follow him first. And then I'm going to do what I know to do on a daily basis. Like I just became a different person. I just became, have very little anxiety, very little stress. And like, it's not that I don't, work hard. It's not that I don't have a lot of stress in my life. It's like, I'll tell people like what my day is like. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you must be so stressed out. And I'm like, I mean, like kind, I guess, but like, whatever, like it'll either work or it won't. And so like part of me totally relates to what you're saying. Like, who cares? What does it all matter? Right. And so it's like, I get it. But like, I think like in my head, I'm like, for what we do on this earth. Yes. But I believe in the afterlife. Like I believe, I don't, I don't know if we're going to go to a, a single place with actual gold streets and there's going to be a little palace up in the clouds, right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think God's like some you know dude with a beard, but like, <laughs> I do believe in the afterlife, right? I do believe in heaven and hell. And I do believe that our choices here on this earth affect where we will end up. 
and not that has nothing to do with the amount of money that we make. It has nothing to do with the amount of success that we have or the amount of recognition that we get for it. I think those things are probably very insignificant, right? But I do think like how we treat people, whether or not we seek and follow God, like all these things, I, I think that they significantly impact like where we will end up uh, once we die. Because I call it God, call it psychedelics, call it whatever. I am 100% convinced that there is something after this life. Like there is no way that we just die and just, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> thinking about that stuff. I mean, it's, it, it can, it's, it could be a long combo too, because, um, like you can't, you can't ask anyone who's died. People say they've talked to someone, but, per se, like you can't ask anyone what's happening after. Yeah. And, um, I think that the funny thing too, is like, as you get older stuff, I, I just notice like maturity levels and I get it more now because as I've gotten older, every couple of years, like what I care about or what I think about changes. Yeah. And so I'm curious to see what I'm going to be thinking about in another, you know, 10, 20 years as I get older, yeah. I get, you know, closer and closer and closer to that. Because I think sometimes also, I say I don't care about certain things or I do care about certain things, but it's also in that like season of life. Yeah. So right sure. now I'm very business driven, but I just can't imagine, you know, if I keep going the same direction I'm going, I'm going to get to a point where, I mean, it just, I mean, it already doesn't matter, but just imagine another 10 years from now financially, yep. just how much, how much less it even matters. It'll just yep. be so freaking yep. insignificant because of the amount of wealth that I've accrued. So yeah, dude. I mean, you you put up a lot of good points, and I think you're asking the right questions. I think um, maybe I think sometimes maybe even myself and others, you we, I stay busy, so I don't have to think about. So you don't it. have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I think sometimes I think sometimes like you can end up. I mean, it can be good, but I think sometimes you can also end up depressed. Like yeah. when I when I was going to a therapist, man, I I can't speak for anyone else, but I just felt like they would just answer a question with a question. I didn't feel like that helped me. I felt like it made it worse because they would say, well, you know, what happened in your past? And I, I would start questioning like everything. And I started thinking like so deep and I, I don't think that helped me that much. Yeah. I think it made it worse. I think it like enhanced the issues I was having. So I think there's like a healthy balance where it's definitely good to think about those things, but just make sure you don't, you don't let it like consume your life. You yeah, know, like for someone sure. Say, someone will say like they're anxious or, they get upset easier that they say those things. And then ironically, I think by saying that and focusing on it versus just trying to like put it out of their head, they actually bring that stuff up more. Yeah. And it's, it's like, bro, just don't like, like you're, you don't get yeah. leave it alone. Like, no, like you don't struggle with that. It's just like this random thing. Like stop thinking about it. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, dude, yeah. You, bring up, you bring up some great points and like definitely stuff I've thought about. So uh, shifting topics a little bit here. Then, what's next for you? You've got uh, you moving. Yeah. You moved to Puerto Rico, kind of, sort of. You're I don't know. Exciting, yeah. but uh, what's what's next in business and life? What's the next two to five years look like? Yeah. So, yeah, the Puerto Rico thing we'll know in about three months, man. Like, or maybe sooner. But it's so funny because I was so. What happened was I had about I got my taxes down last year from like thirty whatever it was to like twenty ish. And I was like, okay, so 20% for 4%. I was like, yeah, that's worth it. And then my guy comes to me like right before tax. He's like, oh, I can get it down to 15. I'm just like, bro, like, <laughs> because 15, 
15 wouldn't be worth it to me because you're only saving on 10 percent. so 10 million dollars you save a million that to me is not worth yeah like that much of a life change yeah, right yeah. or any means so i'll let you know in a few months but if it's if if the irs comes knocking it's definitely worth it so um but yeah dude i think I think I'm going to be going, you know, a similar path to like what you kind of see Alex doing, because as I've grown this business and there's more money and I have more bandwidth, um, I also think when it comes to be creating a lot of wealth, you have to have <coughs> your hand in a lot of cookie jars without being active. Yeah. And so if, I mean, even if you look at Warren Buffett, yeah, he does a lot of, I mean, granted a lot of that is like stocks, but at the end of the day, when you buy a stock, you're a part owner. And that's right. really what you're doing. And so I think the direction I'm going to have to start going and I have is I now have uh, three other portfolio companies with uh, CEOs and I'm going to be going down that route. I think the other thing you're going to see me do, regardless of how much money it's going to make me, is I definitely want to start something in tech. And mm. I've gotten that not only from watching Alex Becker, talking to Alex Becker, but I just, I don't know, I just find it fascinating and I think it's going to push me to a new level. And it's just something like I'm actually interested in. Like yeah. I, I was an engineer before all this business stuff and playing football. And oh, stuff. Nice. So, you know, a lot of engineers are pretty nerdy. You know, you Dude, my sister, people. my sister is an engineer. Like she's going for engineering and lawyer. She wants to be an engineer and a lawyer. I want to talk about like the most interesting brain in the whole world. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's very interesting. But I mean, what lawyers and engineers are very logical. So I yeah. can see that, but yeah, like it just it, it it excites me not only because it's a little different, but you have to almost build it before you market it. So yeah. it's very different. Like marketers, we can just kind of throw shit together and like yeah. what happens. Yeah. With this, you have to really like figure out what it is you want to sell. And I think it was really cool, like what Alex did. Alex is well, Alex Becker. I, I literally can't keep all these Alex's straight. Alex Becker is very different than like Alex Ramosi, but I think it's really cool how he was like in the consulting industry completely shifted. I think Hyros is worth like nine figures now or something. It's and, big. Uh, I know that. And then is, it's do you follow his NFT stuff at all? Yeah, I do. I mean, he's, 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 he's like the way he talks and stuff, half of it, I can't like understand. I'm like, no entiendo. It sounds like Spanish or something, but yeah, he's, he's a, he's brilliant, man. He's very brilliant. Dude, his, uh, so I own, I own one of his NFTs, the outer citizen one. One of my okay. buddies got in to his season one, right? And it was a free mint. My buddy was spending a week. He's like texting me. He's like, I'm trying to figure out all these riddles from like Becker, right? And I was right. like, well, he's super smart, but I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be worth spending a week of my time trying to figure out these riddles, right? And so he finally gets, he figures out the riddles and like it's mint day and he like gets one of the mints and it like immediately goes to like a five or six ETH floor. I was like, all right, that's, that's cool or whatever. Like two months later, he's getting $400,000 bids on this NFT, like in like two months. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not selling it. I'm like, why? He's like, it pays me, it pays him like four to $500 a day in like tokens, like completely passively yeah. for the rest. Yeah. And so he's like, dude, like this is random tokens, dude. Do those tokens cr crash though? Or like, is it always going to work? Cause it's, it's, it's to some type of uh, like crypto coin, right? It's, it's bytes. Yeah. And so like the bytes, it's one of the only tokens like in the gaming world that like it's never gone below $80 a token ever right like it goes down for like to like $60 for like a couple hours and it immediately shoots back up but it's gone like 250 and so we just always factor they're about eight they're they're, they're chilling on 80 bucks but they're right. used and so you use them to like upgrade and play the game and like do all these different right. things and so but like he's created 
his whole thing is like he's basically creating the Soho houses of of online, right? And so like there's only two thousand of the like ones. And it's like billionaires and venture capitalists and like yeah. all these people in there. And then there's like my friend who makes like $25 an hour putting in cabinets. And he's just like <laughs> listening in on all these. He's like, dude, like I'm talking to so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that guy's a billionaire. How are you talking to him? He's like, he's in this thing. And I'm like, how? And so anyway, so like the floor on that's like big. So when his outer citizens came out, I minted one of those. This was 24 days ago. I minted one of those for like five grand. Like it was like an ETH or something. Yeah. And it's already worth 12, right? Like there's it's insane. So like he's, yeah, he's his is one of like the highest. He's so smart, dude. It's so smart. No, he he. Well, and it's interesting too because like the way he lives his life, he doesn't. I mean, he just he just comes off to me as like, um, like I don't know him super well personally, but I've I've spoken to him in person and stuff. But I mean, he just comes off to me as like he probably wakes up, probably like eats his food, and then he just stays at his house like ninety percent of the time, just does yep. his thing. He doesn't travel. He doesn't like it. Doesn't it doesn't come off to me that way? So. I find it even more interesting just to see like when people accrue wealth and build wealth, like how they spend their time and yeah. he's, he's brilliant. And so it's funny watching just, he seems very content, like plays video games. I think he has a girlfriend, probably spends some time with her yep. and then he just builds Hyros and that's it. That's what he does. Yep. Does NFTs, builds Hyros and makes tens of millions of dollars. He's, and he's super socially awkward too. Like, right. Well, it, yeah. it's, <laughs> so I'm like sitting here, like, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, like he's not very, like he's just not very like outgoing. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't really like. I don't even think he really enjoys that. Like when yeah. we went to, I went to his. Uh, he had like a little seminar where basically he broke down how he built Hyros, and I thought that would be helpful for me because like I want to build tech, and just even like how he spoke. You know, like guys were talking or something, and he was like, he's like guys, like shut up, so I can like hurry and finish and go home. And I just like the way he, <laughs> the way he said that. I was like. Because he's like, we paid there to go to this presentation. Just right, right, right. That. And then uh, it was just funny because I'm just thinking like, shut up so you can hurry and finish so you can go home. Like, But he was super serious. Right, like, super, right. Super serious. So, yeah, like to your point, I mean, but he he is really smart. I enjoy like the one thing I do like about him that I do enjoy. And I think I enjoy about a lot of people. I like people who who like they say what they think, even if sometimes the way they say it maybe is not the most tactful. Yeah. But, like. He says what he thinks. And like, I, I really enjoy that because I think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to write things like in a certain way so they don't offend people or this or that. And, and I don't think you should ever purposely do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I also just say it how it is. And like you, you to an extent do that too. I think also like Alex Ramosi, like he does that too. Some of the, some of the guys I like a lot, like they talk that way. And that's just how I relate because yeah. I just, I just resonate with like, say it how it is. Like, you know, yeah. or whatever. And like the way he talks, it's just so interesting. He just, he'll just come out and say something outrageous. And like his post, it shows. Cause like he gets, he gets like that engagement because dude, of his, his so, YouTube channel. I don't know if you watch it at all. Like it's, insane, dude. it's, he is hilarious, right? Like just with all yeah. of it, but he's so on point with it. And you can just tell he's such a brilliant marketer, right? You just watch his evolution over the years, but yeah, he's very, he's very direct. And, um, it's, it's nice and it's refreshing because it's like, you know that he, if you listen to it, like I watched his, his, he did like a five part YouTube video, like our YouTube ads thing one time. Right. And I watched that, um, a while back and it was like, you got done with it and you're like, I know what to do now. Right. Like there's no, none of this fluff, none of the things he's like, this is how you're going to make money. And if you don't do it, you're an idiot. You're going to lose money. Like that's just how it is. Right. And yeah. it's like, it's so refreshing to get that. And what's so crazy to me is, 
when people don't like that style. Like, I don't understand that. Like, yeah. I have friends that are like, they get super offended when you're just direct. And you're like, why are you offended? Like, this is the truth. Like, this is actually reality. And you don't waste time. Yeah. Yeah, you don't it's, waste time. Like, when he does his, like, YouTube crypto stuff, is it, like, good advice or is he just, like, like is it just random stuff? or what is it's, it? like, it's, like, three to five minutes of nothing but jokes at the beginning. And like, it's so funny because it lands – like, like if you follow him for a while, like he makes fun of Cardano holders. He makes like, there's all these different like ones. And like, he's the most woke empty house, billionaire crypto advice guy. And he's like, my channel is PG family friendly as beep. Like, and it's like, yeah. somehow, right. So it's like, yeah. it's like three to five minutes of just like nothing but pure nonsense and laughter. And then the last like 15 minutes of the video, it's actually really good. Like his picks, I bet you he's right. Like 80 to 90% of the time. It's crazy. Yeah. He's super smart. That is so. crazy. Are you yeah, in crypto at all? What was it? Well, not really. Not, nothing big. I mean, like I'm into the big coins that you got crypto, yeah. uh, excuse me, Bitcoin and like Ethereum, but he seems to like, it almost seems like a full-time job, man. Like the way some of these guys like research the coins and stuff, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I, half the time, I don't even understand the different utility for the coins. I'm like, okay, someone made this coin, someone made that coin. What makes this coin better? Other than like, you know, the normal numbers like market cap, et cetera, but Right, right. I, that's a goal of mine this year to just spend more time doing that. So this last year, because I was struggling just like mentally with stuff, I, I took a lot of time off on the weekends instead of like, usually I'm just like six, seven days a week. Like I'm learning and I enjoy it. So this year on the weekends when like the business stuff isn't as pressing and I have more time for myself to do like broader thinking, that's, yeah. I want to make sure I put time into like learn more about crypto and NFTs. Cause I'm not, I'm not like one of these guys you're going to ever probably see posting tons of stuff about it, but I think it's, I think it's good to at least you need to understand it. And I think it it's is the way. Yeah. And once you, cause I actually have like Taylor Welch was actually the one that really got me into it and was like, like show me some books. He's like, understand this, this, and this. And like, when you actually start to understand like how it all works and how the smart contracts work and how the data transfers work. And like, you do start to understand the utilities. You, you realize that like, Oh, like this isn't like a finance thing. This is like bigger than the internet. Like this is like every, yeah. every contract that you do, every piece of data, every, everything will be an NFT, right? Every, and all the finance will operate on this like blockchain and, and smart contracts and different things like that. And so the different coins and the different networks, typically focus in a specific area, right? So like mm -hmm. Bitcoin is purely finance. There's no smart contracts or anything. And then ETH came along and, you know, now that's like kind of like NFTs and smart contracts and things. And then Sol tried to come along because it was faster and cheaper and like they're right. all the different things, right? But like when you start to understand, like I'd say like 90% of crypto is a bunch of BS, right? There is worth nothing and all crap, right. and, you know, but like the ones that aren't like a revolutionizing the way all of data and all of, you know, information is stored and transferred. For yeah. Sure. I like, I'm curious on your thought on, you know, with crypto stuff, you see people doing all kinds of trades, right? So they buy and they sell really quick. I do you like the opinion or at least what I, it seems like is, can't you just treat it like stocks where I bet if you looked at someone who trades a lot and then you just looked at someone who bought and held for like five or 10 years, wouldn't it, wouldn't it come out to be either the same or better if you just held, or is it just or no? Or so yeah. For, so for like Bitcoin and Ethereum, hundred <laughs> percent. Like just buy and hold. Like wait till it crashes, buy a crap ton, cost dollar average, and go. The right. thing with altcoins, which are all you know, all those smaller market cap ones, right. you've got to trade them. You've got, you don't know what's gonna last, right? There's like 
probably five or 10 coins total that are like solid bets long-term, right? Soul, Polygon, you know, Polygon, Ethereum, Bitcoin. Those are probably safe, but like anything else, like we're just there to make money. Well, and that's, that's it. well, yeah. And that, and that, that's what I've kind of seen a lot of guys doing, but I'm like, man, but it seems like so much time has to be put into it. That's what, well, like when I have to put so much time into something for like the day trades, me personally, I don't know. Like I don't get that into it. Cause I feel like it just takes so much of my time and focus away from like other things away from, yeah, you got to love it. But like, so for me, like I got super, super into it, like about halfway through last year, um, I was kind of going through a transition. And so yeah, it was a weird time anyway, but like <laughs> I came to that conclusion too. It was like, this is taking away from my business. Right. And so what I do is I spend like one or two days a month on it where I'll go and I'll like, look at my positions. I'll do studies. I'll like, make sure that everything, like I, what I think, and I have probably like 50 to 60% of my money that's in crypto just sitting unless like holding for the long term. I don't plan on selling it. It's just going to just sit there. And then like probably 40 to 50% where I'm like, this is going to be a one to three month deal. I'm just waiting for a big pump. I get alerts on my phone and I, I decide my exit point before, like when I buy, I already know my exit point. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just set alerts and notifications on my phone or email. Like if price goes over X, I get an alert or it'll automatically sell or different things like that. And you can make pretty decent money. Like, you know, shoot 23 days. I just 10 X, I literally 10 X five grand in, in 23 days. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. something like that is worth it. Right. And so it, it's, it's an interesting world. It's certainly not like if you have a super solid business and you're making great money elsewhere, it's cer certainly not something that, you know, you give up your business to go into, but it is one of those things where if you can start, and I think this is what Taylor Welch is doing really well. Like Taylor Welch isn't teaching you how to flip coins and trade but he is very much talking about the utility for businesses long-term, right? Like when you buy a course, in, I bet you in two to three years from now, every single course that's bought online, you'll just buy an NFT. And then that NFT will act as the pass right. for your course. And there's already a guy that has it, uh, platform, I can't remember his name, but it's like literally he has it to where if you own an NFT, that's what gives you access to his platform. And so you can set it up and like he sells access to it to where like I could put all my courses on a platform sell you an NFT and then you have NFT. And then let's say you buy my course for a thousand bucks. That's awesome. You own it. But the cool thing is, is then if you went and then sold that NFT to somebody else for a thousand bucks, now they have access to it and you don't anymore. And so yeah. it actually makes digital information like a real asset versus just a username and password. Yeah. That, I mean, the part I like is that, and then when they resell it, you get a percentage of a it. percentage, so right. I like is it, it creates like your own like little army that will actually go like sell it for you. Right. Like it's super cool. Yeah. So like things like that, it's worth understanding and like getting into and creating like your kind of a world around it. Cause you're just going to be, it's like, it's like getting into courses, what, four years ago, right. Or five, you know, four or five years ago, like you, you look at Dan Henry made a million dollars by creating a bunch of controversy and kind of click funnels group. Cause he had a course on Facebook ads. Right. I mean, not Dan, I love you. I know you're smart. Right. I'm not trying to take a hit on your ego. All right. But like, you know what I'm saying though? Like yeah. you, you, right place, right time. I feel like that's kind of what it's like kind of getting in right now is yeah. Nobody's well, I, using it for business. The other thing, well, yeah, and I just, it's just too early. I think reality is like it, it's for it to hit the mainstream. I think it's probably what five, 10 years away till it's like super mainstream. I mean, it's got to be. Eh, probably, yeah, I, would, I think metaverse is really going to speed it up. So I think it depends upon how fast metaverse picks yeah, up. Yeah, I think, I think what's more interesting is like, and what I'm trying to wrap my head around speaking of metaverse is like when people are buying digital land in metaverse, because it, again, like even the NFT, it's like, okay, like I can wrap my head around 
okay, like you buy a picture and it's just a picture, but whatever, like at least I can get it. The the land in the metaverse, like that's a little weird to me because I'm thinking like, what if they make more land? Does that decrease the value or like, is there going to be limited plots or like when you go in the metaverse, like, I don't even know how it's going to look. Like all I've seen so far is like, I, I think once I walked into like, it has a little mask and a little two hands. Yeah. Yeah. Oculus, yeah. Basic right now. So I think that's even more intriguing to me where people are like buying plots of land in there and stuff like that. Like that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, someone just paid a half million dollars to be Snoop Dogg's neighbor in the metaverse. So, you know, but it, they paid a half million dollars to be Snoop Dogg's neighbor inside the metaverse. Like Snoop Dogg bought a plot of land and they wanted the next one. And so they bought it for a half a million bucks Jeez. so they could be neighbors with Snoop. But the thing is, is in the metaverse is what people don't get is people think it's fake. Like they think that, oh, it's just a, like, oh, it's not real. But like with blockchain, it is. And no, so like you have to do it. You, you have to develop like everything inside of the metaverse has to be developed. It's not there by default. And so like plots of land, like you're going to, like the rooms that you create and like the thing, like those all have to be created. But that's the question to me is like, so how do you create them? Is it each person who owns that plot of land individually or like does a designer? It's only one. There's only one plot, that plot of land. There's only one plot. And so like each, it's not like, so the way I describe it to people is think, you know, Call of Duty, right? Yeah. If you play Call of Duty on your Xbox and I play Call of Duty on my Xbox, those are two completely, like we could be playing at the same time, but like you're in your world and I'm in my world, our players right. aren't in the same world, right? right? And so if I were to buy a piece in my world, like it's not affect you in any way because you don't know that I own it, right? right? Well, when you play online, right? And it's live and we're both in the same screen, like in the same, like we're playing together, then we're both collectively in the same world. The right. metaverse is that, and there's only one of them. And so like, like when you're logging in and when you're going someplace, it's like that penthouse at the top there, there's only one penthouse. We all see that penthouse. And so it's a status thing. Like if Logan Paul wants to go buy that penthouse up there, he owns it and everybody else knows that he owns it. And so then he can be like, hey, you want to come party with me? And he can close the door and not let anybody in. Right. And so uh, he can I sell think, passes yeah, I think to come hang out with him. I think, I think that's just the part that I'm going to have to wrap my head around is like, it is like envisioning how it's all going to look because if it's going to look like it, the way you're describing it, it sounds to me like it would look like the real world where it, like it might have to indistinguishable walk. dude right so you might have to yeah. walk steps and stuff like that so if that's actually the case and then the only difference would be like like logan paul in your example is like he has an avatar right i i, I know it will be big I, I mean in fact i was actually laughing i think you know at the bare minimum people who are not happy with their life in the real world will 100 million percent stay there. I bet there'll be dudes who are just Uber Eats stuff in their house and they just stay there all day. 100%. And, and on top of that, like gaming is huge. Like I grew out of it when I was a kid, like, but there's a lot of dudes. It's a trillion know. dollar industry already. Yeah, it's huge. And so, I, I mean, I totally, I'm on board with you. I think the thing that's interesting to me is like trying to see like how that plays out. And the other thing is like, you know, OpenSea, for example, is, is what people use mostly for NFTs. Yeah. With the metaverse, they have like these different companies who are making stuff. And they, right now, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, some of the worlds or the plots they're making are not connected. So I think like the argument is like, well, is there just infinite amount of land that will be created? Is there not? And and to that point, if there is, it's going to decrease the value of the land. If like, okay, 
building. But I can go buy a piece of land in Colorado right now. I can buy a hundred acres for a hundred grand right now in Colorado. I but, can also go to New York City and buy a hundred acres for like 10 billion, right? So like it's yeah. the same thing. It's in the metaverse, you're gonna be a wanna wanna be around people and you're gonna be a wanna around where everybody else is doing and where the activity is. Sure. So sure. like, yeah. Sure. So like, yeah, it will decrease the value of poor land. But like the value of land in New York City isn't going down anytime soon yeah. because it's, I guess, you know what I mean? Guess, yeah, I guess it's just like until I've actually seen or pictured it, that's the one part I'm not sure on because yeah. if they can just keep making more land, more land, more land infinitely, I guess maybe like the newest land will be the most like ha like most uh, people will be there or something. I don't yeah. know. But either way, yeah. to your point, like I agree with you. And I think it's kind of scary in the sense of like, I'm, I'm just trying to picture what the world will look like. Yeah, like, I'm definitely not making a moral argument for uh, for the metaverse, but I do think it's exciting. Right. I, I think it's just more like, how is life going to look? Because if it becomes big, which I think it's just not if, it's more when. When, yeah. Like, how will people live their lives? And, like, if people can make money, like, working there, like, how would that affect this? Like, I, it's very interesting to, like, think, like, how, is, how will things be affected? Because I think if we have, quote-unquote, two worlds like it, we will it'll be weird man like it'll, yeah it'll just be like how how do you choose how to live your life like okay two to six i live in the metaverse six to ten i live in the, i right I or months at a time right you know what i mean like now i'm going to be in the metaverse for because like <laughs> dude like i don't what i don't think because i've got a lot of pushback on my profile whenever i post about this people are like like i can't believe you're a christian and do this i'm like shut up like you whatever right, right, right. Like, but like a lot of pushback there's no way i would ever use this and like what i don't think people understand is like it is going to get to a point where it's going to be almost indistinguishable from reality right it is going to be feel oh, yeah, so real with, that with, with technology i think that's the goal though because right now it's very like uh archaic like it's very just basic yeah, I agree with you. If they can make that uh, look that way, I also think it's going to have a similar effect as Facebook. By like when Facebook came out, I actually, I didn't, I wasn't really big on social media as a kid. I actually thought it was all stupid. Yeah, so like what happened is like as more people got on it, you kind of had to get on it, or you were kind of an outcast. Like girls yeah. would be like, "Oh, what's your Facebook?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't have one." They're like, "Oh, you're weird." Yep. You were looked at as weird. So I think what will end up happening is if it gets big enough, which again, I think it, I think you're right. I think it is a matter of time that somehow, some way it's going to play into all our lives somehow. Yep. And everyone, well, for anyone that's like not, is not going to get big. You have the, one of the largest tech companies in the world, Facebook changing their name to meta and you have Nike. That's Nike just bought it. The shoe company, the largest shoe company in the metaverse. Uh, they make really? NFTs. They just bought it. Yeah. And now it's like a fish, like when they do their brand, it's like Nike air Jordan. And then the logo of that one, like that's their portfolio. But, but the goal, I mean, the goal is that. It, so like, like in Nike's case, the goal would be that if I go in the metaverse, eventually, if I buy a shoe, like I can actually see the shoe. Right. Yep. Cause I think that's what kind of escapes my mind right now. Sometimes when I hear that, I'm like, okay, but it's just like, it's not even built yet. Like what, what does it look like? Like, do I know when you put on your headset, you'll have your clothes, you'll have your shoes. It like, you will literally feel like you're in the world. Like it'll be you and I, but we'll be sitting right next to each other having this interview, except yeah. for not, but well, it right. that way. Well, it, it's interesting too. Cause my mind goes to like, imagine the margins Nike will make by making a digital shoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Versus what they make now, they're probably just can't 
losing and freaking weight because you're you're gonna be made it's everything will be digital yep yeah so it's that's very interesting man i mean that's kind of what like i want to start staying up on top of it and stuff like yeah. that because i i agree like it was crazy to see how fast nfts moved like when nft first nfts first came out you could sell anything pretty much with no value and you can already see the progression is now it's getting harder and harder and harder unless there's utility and then i think eventually there's going to have to be a lot of utility for most stuff there's going to be like it's got to be a house or a car it's gonna have to be like a lot of utility so it's interesting to see like and just i think nft is what came out like 17. yeah i all i know is that that like in 2020 OpenSea's entire transactional volume was like $4 billion for the whole of 2020. Yeah. In quarter three of 2021, just quarter three, it was like 90 billion. Yeah, I didn't hear, I didn't really pick up on NFTs until like early this year or last year. But it was, but that's when, that's, it's almost like by the time you hear about it at scale, it's too late. Yeah. Like you're, you, the boat has passed. And that's what's been crazy to me. Well, because, eh. Dude, we're so early on NFTs. Yeah, right? but I mean, like, like look at making ten thousand X, maybe. Yeah, but like, people don't get it, dude. Like, an NFT will be everything. Sure. Everything will be NFTs. Sure, but like, oh, the, yeah. but like the crypto punks or like the what is it? Yeah. Apes or like, Apex Club. Basically, yeah. basically zero utility, but to this day are just worth so insane. Much. Yeah. 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 I think I think Gary V was like part of the crypto punk squad. Yeah, he he got all those influences. You got Logan Paul, Mr. Beast, and Banks, and everything down there. And he was like freaking buy him. And this was when they were like a couple ETH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. Like it's very interesting. But yeah, like yeah. I, I like learning about it. It's definitely fun to look, like. I enjoy learning, and and that's sure. one. I think that's the other thing that is nice about making money is like you have time to learn versus. I mean, be honest. Like if you're short on cash, you don't. I don't feel like you have a lot of time to do anything. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. so yeah, it's super cool, man. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on here. It's been a blast. I have yeah. uh, two two rapid fire questions for you here at the end yeah. uh, to kind of wrap up. First question is: If you knew you were gonna die tomorrow, what would you do today? Probably just spend time with my family, man. My girlfriend. Say That's my awesome. goodbyes, like spend time. I mean, I, I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be on here with you, right? <laughs> I'd be spending time with my family. And I think I, I think that question's helpful because like even when you ask a lot of people like what they what's valuable to them at the end of their lives, no matter how rich, I I like I never hear anyone talk about money, which is ironic. Yeah. Which is very ironic. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I used to at so we had to do a transition from Think different theory to the Josh Forty effect because of trademark with Apple and everything like that. And so the question I used to ask people on Think Different Theory at the end of it was, if you're on your deathbed, what's one piece of advice that you would give to somebody? And not a single per out of every single person I did like 300 interviews, not a single person ever said money um, at the end of it, which was super cool. So spend time with family. All right. Second question is, what is one piece of advice or one belief that you have had your entire life that has never changed? Ooh. Wow, that's a great question. Like an unchanging truth that you live by that you're like, this is no matter what state of mind I'm in, no matter what, like this has always been something that I've known to be true or live by. Yeah. Um, I think I think the one thing that's been constant through my upbringing and just now that I continue to see reward myself and, and like my ambition is like just just working hard. I I can't tell you how like, I feel like that's such an underutilized skill. 
I feel like a lot of people, they don't actually understand what hard work looks like or even is. Yeah. And so something that really blessed me as a kid is my dad. He just, I mean, dude, he worked me as a kid. Like I was, I remember I was like a teenager and he's on weekends. I'm, uh, mowing people's lawns and doing power washing. I'm talking, I'm not talking little shit. I'm talking like these people are rich, like big ass yeah, uh, driveways and stuff. And he just made us do it because we needed more money. And he was a teacher and that was the way he would help us provide. And like, at the time I hated him so much. <laughs> I, I hated him so much for yeah. it, but, but that stuff and that adversity and him, like not paying for things for me, that has really, really helped for my life because this, that same work ethic has like been played into my business. So I, I'll say like the biggest thing that's like I've had from day one till now is like, I've always like put work ethic on a very high pedestal and that's always been a big part of who I am. And mm -hmm. I always like, I always try to make sure I'm doing that because if everything else fails, um, you know, on my deathbed, like I think about that too, if everything else fails and I fall short, but I, I know, like, I know not like what other people perceive, but I know I did my best. Yeah. That's one of the best feelings ever. And the reason I can yep. say that is when I finished football, I'll wrap up on this. When I finished football, I got hurt and I couldn't play anymore. And I, I mean, the doctor's like, you can, but you have no cartilage left. So he's like, you're going to keep getting hurt. And I was like, okay, but it, it was such a good feeling. Like I was sad, but I sat there and I looked, I was like, man, I trained harder and I worked out harder than anyone else. I just wasn't good enough. Yeah. But that, that was such a satisfying feeling to know that I didn't have to look back and go, man, if I just worked out harder, if I'd done this or that, I think so many people do that. Yep. And so that's, that's been something that I've always tried to live my life by. So when I do die, I can look back and literally, it's like the, the story of the talents, right? I want to look back and just know, like, you know, I maximize my life. And if you can say that, I think that's one of the most rewarding feelings in the world. So yeah, for sure. Awesome, man. Well, Hey man, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much yeah. and, and uh, appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different. I'm going to have to change that sign off because I can't think I can say that anymore. Don't be afraid to think different, though, for this one. <laughs> um, uh, take it easy, fam. Peace.